podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This week on the Marketers Report, Patrizio Spagnoletto, Global Chief Marketing Officer, Direct to Consumer for Warner Brothers Discovery, weighs in on building trust. Trust is a really hard thing to build and a really easy thing to destroy. And we have to be very respectful about that. Our partnership with iHeart has really helped us build that trust and that relationship with the on-air talent. As the number one audio company, iHeart Media gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the data you need to grow. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. Welcome back to Celtic State of Mind. I'm Paul John Dykes, and today I'm delighted to be joined by Tommy Sheridan. Tommy, welcome to the show. It's not the first time you've been on. Um, you're looking well. How are you? I'm fine. Um, Paul, I can't complain, mate, apart from old age. Uh, I'll come to you one day as well. Um, the wrinkles are getting worse, and uh, the lockdown is not helping. Um, I've had a go at Gail, my wife, because she's obviously washing my trousers in too high temperatures because uh, they're shrinking. Uh, either that or my waist is expanding, uh, one of the two. Uh, but no, it's uh, it's fine, pal. Listen, you, you've, got to, you've got to be absolutely thankful for some of the small mercies. I've got my health, I've got my family, I've got my loved ones. Um, and of course, we've, uh, we've got a lot of... Tension and, and unease to know with the, the team that we love, um, Glasgow Celtic. Um, I'm one of those that is critical of what I think is panicking um, and what I think is disrespectful um, projection of views. I, I can understand why people are, are angry and upset and because we all are. We want Celtic to win. We Celtic don't win. We're in a bad mood for hours on a, a Saturday night or a Sunday afternoon whenever the, the game's played. Of course we are. It doesn't make us any better fans, the fact that we go on to Facebook or Twitter or, uh, and, and immediately post uh, get Lenny sacked or Lennon out and be disrespectful to somebody that's a legend and has, has given so much of his life to Glasgow Celtic, I I feel as though the, the attacks are over the top, Paul. I just I, I'm 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 upset uh, by the attacks. I think that they are unwarranted. Um, I, I read a, a report um, today which uh, gave me a wee bit of, of sucker because uh, I read an ex-manager saying that he thought the attacks on on Neil were shocking, mm. shocking, and of course that man was Martin O'Neill. Legend, Martin O'Neill. Um, uh, when somebody like that is, is weighing in, calling those attacks shocking, then I, I feel I feel a wee bit boosted by that because sometimes 
the negativity can drown out the positivity. Um, you don't need to have a football brain any longer to have an opinion. All you need is a mobile phone and, and you go on um, and, and, and you, you spout negativity. You, you sometimes spout it when you're angry, which is the worst time to do it. You should always pause before you send a send, before you press the send button. Pause before you do it because when you say something in anger, sometimes it takes a wee while to take it back. But I read a, there was a poll the other day, some poll, I think it was about two or three hundred people took part uh, lending out, you know, 77% say lending out. I mean, if I if I was to contact 25 friends and ask them a question and the 25 of them agreed with me, I could put up 100%. What does it mean? You know, it's such a tiny, tiny reflection. But what I would question, Paul, is this. What type of Celtic fan chooses to put up a poll saying, should we sack the manager? For Christ's sake, we're about 14, 15 games into the season. We are facing up to an unprecedented crisis in terms of the health pandemic. We've been hit particularly hard. We've had nine players affected by COVID. We've not been able to put the same team out twice, I think, more than two games in a row. I think it's Saturday may have been the first time this season that we've been able to play the, the same two teams. And we're facing with a, a renewed new club across Glasgow which just so happens to have had its best start for 53 years. And we're over-attacking our own side. The only people, the only people, Paul, in my opinion, who are benefiting from this tirade of negativity are Rangers and Rangers supporters. Because we, I think, used to attack them. It was a year ago, I can remember it a year ago, particularly after the Hearts result when they, when they lost uh, in the, the semi. They were all calling for... Uh, uh, Gerard to be sacked. I can also remember people saying Golson was a nugget and uh, Tavernier was the Rangers class. By the way, what a difference 12 months makes. How fickle are we in football that we give people so little time? I understand the pressure here that we're under. We want 10, of course we do. But can I just remind some of the Celtic fans? Jock Steen never get 10 in a row. Best manager in Celtic's history, never get 10 in a row. So this idea that we've got a divine right to get the 10, there is no divine right in football. You need to earn the right to win a game. And sometimes I think our fans are developing attitudes which I find absolutely unacceptable. And it's this uh, privilege, this idea that we have got a, a divine right to something. We've got a divine right to nothing. We had many, many years in the doldrums, many, many years in the wilderness, winning absolutely nothing. Tommy Burns had a, a three-year stint where his teams played brilliant football. I loved watching them. I loved the songs. D.I. Canio, only one George Cadet, puts the ball in the net. We loved watching them. They played brilliant football. They scored goal after goal. But we didn't win a single league title and all Tommy won in three seasons was one cup. Now, that has to be the perspective and the proportion that we bring to this debate. You know. Do we think Neil Lennon is happy with the way things are going? You know? Neil is obviously frustrated, obviously upset. He can't win, but can he? I, I looked at the, the websites on Saturday when the, the team went up against Hibs. And I never seen a single murmur about people saying that the, the starting 11 should be different. Why would it be? We played the same start of living against Motherwell and we trounced them 4-1. Could have been more. So you expect, okay, 
We're looking for consistency. Let's play the same team. That's what he did. It didn't work. Big Tom didn't have a good game. Moy didn't have a good game. Uh, we, we, Frimpong, probably his worst game in a Celtic jersey. It's not Neil's fault. In fact, I wish there would be some fans coming on here and pointing out that when Hibs scored, and particularly when the second goal went in in rapid succession, what did Neil do? Did he sit in his hands the way people have said that he's been doing? No, he made radical changes to the team. I thought it was a brave decision to take Brunoff and put on uh, Duffy because he, he wanted to go for the three at the back. He wanted to change the shape. That's what he did and what happened. Now that's 20 minutes we dug in. And by the way, we were lucky, let's face it, but we were lucky we got a penalty, but a luck. We also got a poor clearance, but a luck. But I tell you what, it's about the only luck we've had all season. We've had nine down with COVID. Rangers haven't had a single player down with COVID, which is remarkable, by the way. And yet we pulled back 2 nothing to two each. I can remember one of the games, Paul, you, you're good with stats. I can remember there's been three down at half time yeah. away to Kilmarnock. <laughs> and it was over. There was no way we were going to win the league. That, that, that was it. We came out and we got a 3-3 three, three draw, I think it was. Uh, and it sort of a changed the season. Things can change quickly in football. We are in an unreal situation, an artificial situation. No fans there is killing us. No having the atmosphere, no having the ability to raise the team is killing us. And people will say, ah, oh, well, what about the other teams? They've all got that as well. But let us remember, the other teams... Didn't they have it anyway? They didn't they have the 12th man the way we've got it. They didn't they have that massive 60,000 lifting the, 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 the team whenever they were down, making sure that any mistake was, 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 was caught and don't you? And we gave encouragement. I just appeal, my appeal, Paul, to, to Celtic fans is to get behind the team. Get behind the manager. You don't have a manager and then give him only 14 games into a season. He's one game away for a quadruple treble. It's unprecedented that in September he wins the manager of the month and then in October people are calling for him to be sacked. It, it, it just is unprecedented. Yes, we've had bad results. Yes, we've had bad performances. But the idea that you lay everything at the manager's door and that somehow or other a magic wand, a new manager, and it'll all change, I just think is naivety, complete and utter naivety and it's indulgence from a lot of Celtic fans who... And by the way, there is loads and loads of other Celtic fans, and I would I, I would argue the overwhelming majority of Celtic fans who do want to stick with the team and who don't support the idea of banners getting unfurled, calling for the manager to be sacked fourteen games into a season. That banner, that that's something this morning told me that many of us woke up to, and I think Martin O'Neill made a few points. One of which that stood out for me was, you know, looking at the virtual fan. Well. We are virtual because, you know, there's no choice but to be virtual. But when you're putting out, I feel when you're putting out a, a debate, it needs to be balanced. So this morning we spoke to Colin Watt. His uh, Wi-Fi didn't stand up to it, but he was of the view. He was on the other side of the, the argument, Tommy. He was looking at Neil Lennon has to go, and that was the message on the banner. I think you've got to have a balance, and you've got to look at the other side of that argument, which obviously you are quite passionately on that side of keep Neil Lennon. Now, you mentioned a game, Kilmarnock Rugby Park, 3 nothing down at half-time, you pulled it back to 3 each. Celtic are a very romantic club, um, you know, there's a fairy tale element to it, but I think Celtic fans during this pandemic have been looking at things like the, the demise of the consistency and the performances and the results and thinking... 
that fairy tale won't continue under the current regime. Now, we pull back a 2 nothing deficit against Hibs. Do you see the Neil Lennon Mark II, because it's his second time round, Tommy, do you see enough in Neil Lennon that he's able to turn this round this time round? Can you see a time where the Celtic fans need to eat their words this season? Definitely. Definitely. I think the Celtic fans, some of them, had to eat their words last season. Because people can remember last season, we approached December, and the facts meant nothing, Paul, because Lennon was not the man for the job, Lennon was the cheap option, Lennon was a yes man, all of the types of attacks, because Rangers were ahead in the league. Now, the truth was, of course, Celtic had a better performance at that time last season than they'd had for seven previous seasons. The problem was the Celtic, the, the Rangers had been doing so well. And people didn't see that. They were calling for Lennon to be sacked. I did a, I remember doing a video calling for, for us to stick beside Lennon. Saying to fans to remember the song, Faithful Through and Through. And I got slated for the, the video. But you know what happened? We come back in January and not only, not only did Celtic pick up, and I think what, what was important was the combination between Griff and, and uh, Edward, which was stunning. I remember going to the Fur Park game. Um, I think it was 5-0 or something we won that night. Uh, Edward was unplayable. Uh, Griff was incredible. We, we, we were just untouchable. Uh, and we went on a winning run. Um, also, throw into the mix the fact that uh, Rangers uh, collapsed. They had their own internal problems. And I can remember at that time, Paul, people calling for Gerard to be sacked. People saying that Goldson was a donkey. People saying that Tavernier wasn't good enough. Now, of course, you see Rangers having the best start to the season for 53 years. That These things happen in football. There is no divine right when you go into a part that you win a game. You need to earn the right to win a game. Has Neil Lennon got it in him to turn this round? Absolutely, 100%. He's been a winner all his life. He was a winner as a player and he'll be a winner as a manager. His, his win success, you know, I don't know if people are aware of this, he gets 75% win rate, you know, which is better. 70% was his win rate in his first time in charge. This is a guy who, who answered the call in February of 19. When we were in trouble, we'd been abandoned in the middle of a season. We were in a bit of turmoil. We'd left the Champions League. I mean, people often, you know, it's, it's, it's rose-tinted spectacles sometimes, Paul, because people look back fondly, quite rightly, on Brendan's era and, and the invincible uh, season. But they forget. Brendan never faced a strong Rangers team. He never faced a strong Rangers team. The days of Andy Halliday running out and us all singing Andy Halliday's name at uh, Parkhead, that, that's not going to happen again. And yet, we've got a situation where Neil answers the call, comes in and picks up the uh, baton, and by the way, does something that Brendan Rodgers had never done, go to Easter Road and win a game. Because remember, we had a critical uh, semi-final to win, and, and we did it. We steadied the ship. We won the cup, we won the league, and Neil is now a game away, a game away from a quadruple treble. Never been done. Record-breaking. And people are calling for him to be sacked. I, I, I just it's the Marketer's Report. This week, Patrizia Spagnoletto, Global Chief Marketing Officer, Direct Consumer for Warner Brothers Discovery, 
weighs in on the difficult task of building and retaining consumer trust. Trust is a really hard thing to build and a really easy thing to destroy. And we have to be very respectful about that. Our partnership with iHeart has really helped us build that trust and that relationship with the on-air talent. The best thing for us to do is to build a relationship with our consumers. And if those consumers have a relationship with the DJs that are on air, then we want to build on that. House of the Dragon, which was one of our most successful, if not the most successful campaign we've ever done for a show, audio was a core part of that. As the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the insights and data you need to grow. Not just a media company, iHeartMedia is your access company. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. This week on The Marketer's Report, Patrizio Spagnoletto, Global Chief Marketing Officer, direct-to-consumer for Warner Brothers Discovery, weighs in on building trust. Trust is a really hard thing to build and a really easy thing to destroy, and we have to be very respectful about that. Our partnership with iHeart has really helped us build that trust and that relationship with the on-air talent. As the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the data you need to grow. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. Find it disrespectful, Paul. I really do. I, I, people are entitled to their opinions. Either they don't like Neil, they don't think he's up for the job. I mean, some of it's so contradictory because some of the attacks on Neil as the manager used to be a, a, around the lines of, "Ah, look at the stadium jumping up and doing the, the dugout and losing his temper. He's no, he's no got the temperament to be a manager." Now you read the criticisms and it's, oh, look at him. He's no, he's no shouting enough. He's no jumping up and doing enough. I mean, you can't win. You simply can't win with some of the fans. And it's for that point of view, obviously, you invite me back on, mate. I'll come and take my medicine if I'm wrong. I promise you I'll come and take my medicine if I'm wrong and I'll accept I was wrong. But here's what I'm saying. I'm saying we stick with Neil Lennon. We give him the chance to see it out. If he fails, he fails, and we all fail together. If you can't support the team when you're not doing well, then don't bother supporting the team when you're doing well. Because support isn't about winning everything. Support is about winning when you're losing, you're drawing, and you're lifting trophies. And I would appeal to fans to remember that, that you don't just support them when they're winning, you support them when they're down as well. And by the way, your support is more important when they're down. Because it's easy. It's easy when you're winning. Everybody wants to be your pal when you're winning. But it just as in life, Paul. We all know this in our lives. When you go through a wee tough patch, your real pals are the ones that are still there. The phony pals are the ones that are buggered off and don't answer their phones any longer. Where are the real fans that are going to say, we're with Neil Lennon. He's been in the trenches for us. We're going to be in the trenches with him. Tommy, you know... Neil Lennon himself, he's a he's a, an individual who I think when the Celtic fans have an, a given opinion, and it's very emotional at the moment, as you, as you've said, it's very emotional and it's difficult when you're not at the games because it's hard to actually put that across. And people do go for their phones and they do vent and once it's out there, it's out there and then there's a bit of a frenzy often. But I think the influence of the Green Brigade is something that we're all aware of. I think the positive influence that they've had in terms of the atmosphere at Celtic Park has been absolutely astronomical. The the charity work they've done has been tremendous. But one thing that happens, Tommy, if they unfurl any type of banner, that banner is influential. I remember thinking back to the banner about Boyata 
uh, about the board being asleep at the wheel, um, about Rod Stewart not being welcomed back at Celtic Park. So agree or disagree, whenever they make a statement, it's influential. They've made a big, big statement this morning. Do you think that has any influence over the Celtic board? Do they look at the Green Brigade statement and think that's a wider statement amongst the Celtic fan base? And also, what I'd also like to ask you, how's Neil Lennon feeling when he sees that? Paul, I've got to say, the Green Brigade, for me, has been a source of pride on many occasions. The fact that we've been willing to make statements in support of Palestine. The fact that we've been willing to make statements, you mentioned Rod Stewart there, and it's a statement that wasn't universally popular um, because Rod's seen as a big Celtic fan. I I, I used to love his uh, music. But the fact that he became a sir and accepted the bowing before the Queen is something that I I find it difficult to to cope with um, as as a big Celtic fan. But not everybody is like me. I'm I'm a political animal. Not everybody's political animals. Not everybody knows what's going on in in wider society. And some people still say that the the Celtic fans shouldn't be political. It's a it's a football club. Um, I, I I think the fact that there are unionists on the board of Glasgow Celtic, very prominent, very rich unionists, I find that incredible because I, I think the opportunity to break the British state is something that everybody should embrace if you're a Celtic-minded. You know, you did the very show that we're on here. Celtic-minded. What does it mean? Surely it means that we should do away with imperial exploitation and imperialism and get Britain out of Ireland and get Scotland to stand up on its own two feet as the independent nation that it is. So I can understand that some people don't think that the Green Brigade should be making statements, but I do have to to say this. You know, the Green Brigade are leaders in in terms of uh, being, being fans and they're entitled to their opinions, but I don't always agree with them. I don't always agree um, with, with, with their statements. Um, I think their charity work is, is brilliant, but so is the charity work of a lot of other Celtic supporters and supporters clubs up and down the, the country. So uh, we, we kind of get hung up on this idea that a statement from uh, a group of supporters numbering maybe a, a, you know, a few hundred, few thousand is going to speak for millions. Um, I think my absolute response to that banner is it's an own goal. An own goal. Because the people who will love that banner more than anything are the... I was going to say something I probably shouldn't say because you get you into trouble. The, the team across the other south side of Glasgow. They're, they're the ones who are going to be absolutely loving that banner. Does it, does it have any effect on the board? I don't think it will have an effect whatsoever because I think personally, personally, I think the board is often removed from the passion that you and I feel for Celtic. I think the the board often look at it as a job rather than a vocation. Mm. Does that affect Neil Lennon? A hundred percent. A hundred percent. I think he'll feel right now absolutely deflated that people who have sang his name, people who have sung his praises, people who were appalled at the death threats that he faced, appalled at the assaults that he's had to endure, and yet he come back for more. He stuck his neck above the parapet, come back for more. And I think people have turned on him. And I, I really, really think people should take a, a right long, hard look at themselves and ask, was that the right thing he'd do? 
we're just off to play away an away game at Sparta Prague. Um, we've we've got a League Cup game coming up on Sunday. We're trying to lift the spirits. We're trying to get consistency. Oh, why don't we attack the manager and call for him to be sacked? I just think it was very, very poor. Uh, I'm disappointed. Uh, I'm not privy to the, the Green Brigade's decision-making processes, but how they arrived at that decision um, worries me because um, if there was some type of vote-taking, then I'd like to have heard whether it was balanced or no. You've just said the programme should be balanced and discussion should be balanced. Absolutely. Where was the balance before you unfurl a banner like that? Well, it makes a massive statement, Tommy, because anything the Green Brigade do does make a, a massive statement. It often makes headlines, national news headlines. And I'm looking at that thinking to myself, does it make a difference to the board? Um, I mean, in the past, you were able to go to the game and vent your anger and give your opinion. And I remember some of the dark days going back to uh, the time when the fans were, were wanting to overturn the actual board themselves. I'm thinking about previous situations and managers turning it around. And I'm looking at this... This squad that Celtic has, Tommy, and I think to myself, actually, compare that to last season's squad and we've strengthened. I think the one area that no one would deny um, is weaker is in goals. And we've got a situation there where, you know, Neil, Neil Lennon needs to decide who his number one is. Does he continue with Scott Bain and Barkas? That completely depends on the situation in the training pitch. I still think that we've got a squad capable of winning the league. So if, indeed everything's okay because there's been a bit of a charm offensive from Celtic and we've, we've read some of the interviews with the likes of um, Martin O'Neill, a man who has my deepest respect. And everything as is, is everything's fine. I mean, Cal McGregor comes out and says, you know, the, the, there's a good morale in the training, uh, there's a good morale in the dressing room and Neil Lennon's happy with his team in training. But then every time there's a poor result, Lenny comes out and against Ferenc Varos and against Sparta Prague last time round and he criticises the players now is this going to motivate his players or do some of the players think well you know what Lenny that's it I'm not going to play for you because we know about player power Tommy I disagree with you Paul because uh, you've just given an example which doesn't hold up to scrutiny because after the Ferenc Varos game Lenny never attacked the players in fact he came out and, and said that it was a, a, a very good performance that they were unlucky with and and What's the facts of it? 21 attempts in goal, uh, 12 of them on target, a disallowed goal that was a good goal, um, personal mistakes for, for somebody that you didn't expect, Big Gail Hamed, uh, usually reliable, uh, the big keeper. I mean, some people to talk about the second Ferenc Varas goal, I'd I talk about the first one. Uh, you know, it was a shot. It was a good shot, but it was a shot for, for distance. And mm -hmm. the, the big man, to me, was at fault for, for, for that. Um, I think we dominated that game. I think in, in any other uh, game, any other day, playing that way, you would be winning by three or four clear goals. And Lenny came out after that game, and I think he defended the players. Now, fast forward to the, 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 the Rangers game. Fast forward to the, the, the Sparta-Prague game. I think he had to mention the players, because quite frankly, the players deserve to be put in the spotlight, Paul. You know, everybody's attacking Neil. What about some of the consistency of the players here? I mean, we, we have got guys that are paid top dollar. They're playing for the, the, the top team in, in Scotland. And by the way, 
see all these comparisons. I hear people talking about, oh, it's as bad as the, the, the sack the board days and we, we should have the same type of movement. I, I just, I find it's, I, I talk about this word perspective. I find it incredible. We're talking about a team that has gone for 10 in a row. We're talking about a team that's a game away for a quadruple treble. Don't dare compare that to the barren days when we were getting bugger all and we needed to get rid of a board because it wasn't willing to invest in the club. It's totally and utterly incomparable. And anybody that makes that comparison simply isn't looking at the facts and looking at the statistics. We're in a much better position now than we were uh, then. And this idea that we're entitled to win titles, it's just rubbish. It's just rubbish. We won, we went through that first nine in a row, Paul. I, I, I had the privilege to go and, and see us winning seven, eight and nine as a, as a young kid. I was at the games. But we never won the ten. Unfortunately, we didn't win the ten. You know, well, there is no entitlement to it. Um, so I, I think there is a, a, a need just to say for a moment, well, wait a minute, if Neil Isney um, pointing out some of the faults in the players is he, what can he say to these after-match interviews? You cannot stand back and look at two guys with their hands and their hips at a penalty. Come on, Paul, you and I play football. What happens when the opposing team takes a penalty? You all line up in the box and you get ready to go in to help out your keeper because you hope he's going to save it. What, did, what was we, Jeremy, and bloody beat on? I mean, Jeremy's a young player, maybe, you know, let him off for a minute. But Big Beaton is an experienced internationalist, stoning his horns and his hips when they take a penalty. And brilliant Scott Bain, what a save, what a save. And it gets thrown back in his face by the mm-hmm. fact that nobody's followed in to stop Murphy scoring. I mean, is Lennon to blame for that? Is that what we're saying? The, the, well, it's Lennon's fault that Celtic players didn't do the basics. I mean, look at the, the, the heater. Goodness sakes, we've got an internationalist in, in, in Ryan. We've got uh, young uh, uh, Frimpong. None of the two of them go for the ball. I mean, Jamie Murphy, for God's sake, winning the ball. You and me would beat him in the air, right? There's no doubt about that. That's saying something. And yet, he wins a ball and big uh, big Beaton doesn't even follow the man. You Basic men- errors. You mentioned there something, Tommy, that I was screaming at the, the TV screen at that penalty kick because that is stuff of under 13 football you follow the ball in of course you do and they've left Scott Bain with no chance with a follow up do you feel that and this was a point Martin O'Neill made because he used the ball and goalie situation do you feel that some of the players have undermined Neil Lennon this season I think there's been certain situations which haven't helped uh, I think the ball and goalie situation didn't help because whatever happens there Neil's going to lose because he I think was right to take a firm stance. I think what Bolingoli did was a disgrace. I, I think it was so selfish, so insulting to the fans. I think it was a disgrace. Lennon, if he forgives that, would get slated by a lot of people who are not even football fans, but who are suffering under COVID restrictions and feel it's a disgrace that a, a football player isn't following those restrictions. And the same token, people like me were calling for him to act and show um, that players couldn't get away with such brazen uh, ignorance of the rules that everybody else was getting asked to, to stick by. But in doing that action, there is no doubt in my mind that some of the players will have thought, oh, wait a minute, you, you, you should have stuck with the player. And I think there's been a bit of discontent behind uh, the scenes about that. I wasn't Neil Lennon's fault. I was Bolingoli's fault. 
Uh, and and, if, and when you think about it, we, we started off the season with a, a quite comfortable 5 1 uh, victory, um, uh, Paul, just as we started off last season with a comfortable 7 0 victory, which, we, we, which was phenomenal. And then these problems kicked in. Um, and we, I don't think, have quite recovered. Um, we've had the ball and goalie situation, we've had the, uh, the injuries to, to top players, uh, we've had players going off the boil, these things happen. But you know what? We've had probably, and statistically speaking, statistically speaking, I think if you look at the um, season after the Invincibles, Brendan lost four games. Mm-hmm. Brendan lost, we were in a worst position, points wise, with Brendan's season, second season, than we are now. But the difference is, Rangers have won other games. That's why it looks so bad. But despite all of the problems, we are 11 points behind, two games in hand. We win the two games in hand, we go five points behind. We go to Ibrooks in January and we win. We did the last time. Neil took us there and had a brilliant 2-0 victory. We go there and win. All of a sudden the gap's down to two, Paul. And that's assuming that we win all games and it's also assuming the Rangers win all their games. And by the way, it is... Almost, almost freakish that a team goes through a season without having a wee uh, wobble. Rangers haven't had their wobble yet. But they'll come. They'll have an injury. They'll have a COVID. They'll have something. And by the way, hopefully they'll have loads of games, which uh, adds to the potential of the injuries. Because they, I think, have come out of this part of the season almost unscathed from all of the problems that Celtic have had with COVID and injuries. Um, but I'll tell you what else, and here's something that I hate, Dane, it's getting credit where it's due. I think their recruitment policy's been better than ours, Paul. And that's uh, that's hard to say. But I've got to reflect on the players that they have brought in mm-hmm. and ask myself, have they strengthened that team? Have they added um, some guile? Have they added some energy? Have they added some athleticism? And the answer to all those questions is yes. I think they've had good recruitment. I've got to say, I don't think we can say the same at Celtic. I don't think that's Neil Lennon's fault. Neil Lennon's inherited a recruitment team and quite frankly, somebody's got to start standing up in there and saying, hey, we're going to have to up our game because our recruitment has not been good enough. Ball and golly. Ball and golly should never have been signed for Celtic, never mind hunted for, for, for breaking rules. You've got to say your kibasses, three and a half million pounds, for God's sake. I would also say the money that we've paid so far for Paddy, I hope we Kamala comes on to a game. I think he's a, he seems a nice enough guy, but three and three million, three and a half million, come on. This is recruitment which is not good enough, in my opinion. Um, and we've got to say that that's not always at his door, at Neil Lennon's door. I've also got to say, and, you know, I wish some other people within Celtic would be willing to uh, take some responsibility. Our biggest problem all season has been defending. Who is a defensive coach? What, what defensive coaching are we actually doing? Because, quite frankly, that is an area that Celtic, um, for the last few seasons, has been solid with. Unfortunately, unfortunately, not so solid. This is uh, first fifteen or so games. Something that needs to be to be addressed and sorted out. But 
the million dollar question, Paul, is can Neil Lennon sort out and my answer to that is yes, and I think the fans should give him the respect that he deserves and should give him the extra time that he deserves. Not just because, and there's two reasons. First and foremost, there's my reason, and that's because he deserves it and I think he's got the ability to turn around. I, I've got confidence in him. But see if you don't have confidence in him. See if there's somebody who's listening to this show and you think, nah, I've got confidence in him, he's not the man for the job. Well, fine. But the idea that changing jockey right now is going to turn things around, is going to wave a magic wand, is pish. It's absolute pish. Because you would be relying on that new manager getting a different response for all of the players. And by the way, what does a new manager do when he comes in? First couple of games, there's usually players that aren't getting a game or players that are worried about position. They'll try a wee bit harder. But you know what else happens? Players that haven't been getting a game, they think they've got a better chance. So it usually causes a wee bit of sniping in dressing rooms as well. There's usually a bit of follows. Brendan had that. Brendan had that. Unfortunately, he didn't have the same challenges um, that uh, Neil's now got, and he was able to cope with that. So from the idea that a new manager suddenly is going to change things, I think it's just absolute garbage from people who, quite frankly, don't know the game if they think that a new manager coming in right now is automatically going to change things. And see if it's no automatically going to change things, Paul. I would rather stick with Neil. I would rather stick with Neil and fight to the death Never give up, never give in. That's what you are as a Celtic man, as a Celtic fan. You never give in to it's unwinnable. I'd rather do that and go down fighting than make a change the now, embarrass ourselves, turn in one of our own and still no win. And that's what I think would happen. You mentioned his transfers. I, I spoke earlier, I said that I believe the squad was getting stronger other than the goalkeeper situation, Tommy, which I don't think anyone... Um, foreseen a situation where we break our record for a goalkeeper and the guy doesn't even play now. He's the second choice at the minute. At the, at the time of the transfer window, Charlie Nicholas came out and said that Celtic have done it on the cheap. And he was lambasted for that at the time. He was lambasted for saying it. And, and on our podcast, I spoke through the, the transfer dealings. I looked at the EPL players we were bringing in on big wages and I was pretty happy with it. We then... You know, supplemented that by bringing in Laxalt, which I think has been the signing of the summer for Celtic so far. Do you think the issue around recruitment, and you've mentioned some of the players there, who, you know, there, there's question marks around how much the manager has in terms of an influence on players like Klamala coming in or Sorrow, or if these were legacy signings that had already been identified. Has he been backed enough by the board? And if he needs to go back in January for more funds, if he's still in charge of the team, Tommy, do you think the board are able to back him further? First of all, I think there's a lot of things, Paul, that simply can't be said publicly. Um, and these are stories that will come out in the future. Um, but there are certain contractual obligations which are in place in relation to signing policy and legacy signings and who you inherit. And it's not always the case that players coming in even though you're the manager, are players that you signed. Because signings often are many months in the making and could have been okayed before you pick up the reins. So I know that Neil Lennon's taken a bit of criticism for signings that he's not even responsible for, and that's just something that I'm sure will come out in the future. In relation to the story around Big Fraser, 
I went on record last year as suggesting, and it was after the Cluj uh, game, um, up until then, I felt sorry for Bainey because I think Scott Bain is a lovely guy and I think he was doing reasonably well. But if you remember last year's Cluj game, he caused at least two goals. One that he threw the ball away for a, a corner, one that he done a, a, a save for a shot and parried the body out to the forward. Obviously, we then had Bruni um, uncharacteristically causing a penalty in the box with his horn, um, which, was, which was silly as well. And that night, I think Lennon realised that he needed a new keeper and he needed to bring back Foster. Mm. For me, he was the most significant signing of, of the season. He, he Take away even Edward and his performances and any other outfield player. Fraser Foster, I think, won his the league. He certainly won his the League Cup, <laughs> no doubt about that. Uh, and that was a huge signing. Now, I want to know what happened this uh, pre-season. Why that deal wasn't done. He was the most important player, in my opinion, last season. Why was he no between the sticks this season? And I think you can trace an awful lot of the results so far, um, Paul. Would, would, would Big Fraser have lost the goals against Fernavaros? Absolutely not. Would they have lost that first goal against Rangers? Absolutely not. I think Big Fraser being in goals we would have been in a better position as a club. So I want to know, and whether we'll find this out or no, I want to know, what are the details? Mm. What what stopped Fraser Foster becoming a Celtic player again? Because I think that's been a significant problem. Um, I didn't know anything about Barkas. I don't know if you did. You read all the reports. We all did that. And we thought we were getting a Greek international that was apparently good with the ball at his feet and was very dominant, was a great shot stopper, all of the things that we read. I'm I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Maybe it takes a while to bed in and all the rest of it. But I wonder if we've still got the receipt and whether there's a cashback option because we've not got what we thought we were buying. Mm -hmm. And the big guy's probably a decent guy and... It's easy for you and me to sit in chairs and pontificate about playing for Celtic and the pressure and all the rest of it. But do you know what? He's not even been playing with fans. I think that of, of all of the positions on the part that probably um, having the, the fans know in there is an advantage. It's probably the goalkeeper because it's the one where you would probably not feel it is under as much pressure. But he's not been... He's just not came up to the mark. Mm -hmm. Now... Bainey's come in. I, I, I think the guy's done well. Um, is he is he Celtic's number one keeper? Right now, I think the answer to that is yes. I've, I've got. I think I think it would be dead unfair for Neil to replace um, Bainey. The new I, 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 I'd play him, but January. You mentioned January. Does Neil need backing? Will Neil get backing? I'm going to put my neck on the chopping board and I'm going to say yes to both. I think he will get back in, in January. I think he needs back in, in January. I think we will definitely... I think we'll definitely go back for Big Fraser. I mean, is Fraser happy warming warm the bench? Is, is he really happy warming the bench? Surely not. Surely not. Um, if he's got ambition at all and a deal can be done, I think it should be done. I also... 
I've got to say this. Um, I, I think we've been crying out, Paul, for a target man type of forward. If you, if you look at all of the forwards that we've got in the books, you look at Griff, you look at Edward, you look at uh, Aieti, you look at um, Kamala, none of them give a centre-half water in the brain when a corner comes in or when a cross comes in. I think we need a Hearts and a Sutton, somebody who you're saying to yourself, he's going to get on the end of that cross. He's Because he's, he's good in the air, he's strong in the air. Um, and I would have liked to have said, I, mean, I, I know people, uh, you know, there, there was talk about your man, um, the, the Hibs boy, uh, the ex-Hibs boy, uh, Fletcher. Fletcher, yeah. Right? And people, oh, he's no up to it and all the rest of it. Do you know what? I think he'd have done as a job. I think I think bringing somebody like Fletcher on with 25 minutes to go and putting some crosses into the box, I think he'd have gone the end of him. I'd like to see us buy a right bustling, uh, burly centre-forward that would allow you in certain games to go back to front and try and play off them. Um, I also think that... Uh, we have to address what is our best system. And by the way, systems mean absolutely hee-haw if the players don't play well, right? Let's, let's accept that. People talk about, oh, we played the rank system against Rangers at Parkhead. You could have played 15 different systems, but with the players not coming up to the mark, with the players not turning up, Paul, it doesn't matter what system you play. But I think Edward is not an out-and-out top man in terms of up front I think Edward plays better coming off picking up and turning and running at defences he's the, the guy on his on his game is unplayable he needs somebody to play with but um, which means we, I, we need to get Griff in there eventually or we need to get Aeti in there somebody needs to play with him but then that begs the question Paul because if you play the two and I think we should mm. do you play the three or do you play the four are we capable with the personnel we've got capable of playing three? And I have got doubts about that. Mm-hmm. I've got doubts about that, mate. Um, right back-wise, I'm upset that Big El Hamed let us down in the Fernandes game. I, I think it, it was poor. He also let us down, by the way, in the, the Sparta-Prague game. Um, I don't mean he came on. <laughs> the third goal was doing him. He gave, yeah. gives the ball away. Terrible. But I think he's a good player. I think he's a solid player. I would like him to be a right back. I think Laxalt should be a left back. I like, I, I think, young Taylor. By the way, everybody criticises him. I think his height's sometimes a problem. Players can, teams can play on that. Um, but he's, he very rarely let us do in terms of defensive. Where I think he let us do was his, sometimes his delivery, although that was improving. So I think he's been unlucky with Taylor. But I'd play Laxalt, I'd play. Uh, El Hamid but then you've got the quandary haven't you who do you play in the middle I know who do you play and I'm you know Shane Duffy's probably one of the most popular signings at Parkhead for a decade yep right I didn't know the big fella but fans that I sit beside fans that I travel to the games with were all telling me how wonderful he was and what a great signing he would be I know know. Um, and, and therefore when he signed I was over the moon and by the way you know, Lennon probably thought he was getting somebody who would fit in. Maybe we're finding out that Big Shane has got enormous strengths as a player. 
He can attack a ball and win nine times out of ten. But with Brighton, was he no attacking the ball on 18-yard line? Was he no defending for most of the game? Mm -hmm. Was he very rarely being asked to take the ball at his feet and spread it? I think we've signed a player who's got certain traits that aren't particularly needed at Parkhead right now. Because Celtic invariably get a lot of the ball. Celtic defend from the halfway line. So when you've got a defender who, who's not comfortable turning, then obviously that's a handicap. And therefore, I'm going to, I'm going to say, not everybody's a big fan of Ayer. I love Ayer. Mm. I think Ayer's your best defender. I think Ayer brings something to the Celtic team that nobody else brings. I think his turn of pace is phenomenal. I think his passing range is phenomenal. And I think I love how he loves winning tackles, Paul. He's like, where I used to be at football, you, I wasn't a, good, a goal scorer, but I love winning tackles. Big Ayer loves winning tackles. He loves defending. And therefore, I would have Ayer there and Julian on his game as a player. Yes, definitely. He's a player. Yep. Um, obviously, we've not always got the best of him, but that would be my back four, Paul. Then the question is, <laughs> you know, because you know what it's coming here, because you get fans all over and we've all got any opinions, but who's your four? Who's your four in front? First of all, who's your two? I know. Right? I mean, <clears throat> personally, I think uh, the criticisms of Bruni are over the top. I think he is a leader on the park. I think he's the boss in the park. Yet, does he have the same legs as he's had maybe three or four seasons ago? No, of course not. Everybody gets older. But I think on his day, he is a phenomenal midfielder. Phenomenal. I think he's a, a fantastic captain of, of Celtic. Am I ready to ditch him? No, I'm not ready to ditch him. I think he should play. I think he should play alongside Callum in the middle. My question then is, who's my two wide men? I don't think you can leave Chris Stewart at the team. Because how can you leave Chris Stewart at the team? I mean, the, the guy is phenomenal energy, phenomenal um, uh, engine. He's great outside the box as well. He's one of the few guys that scores regularly outside the box. But then, of course, does that mean we're going to leave Frimpong out? Mm. Does it mean we leave Forrest out when he gets fit again? Should we think about the left-hand side? Should we think instead of Christie coming off the right, why does he not come off the left? Does that mean we leave out Moy? Elanoussi? Who's capable. Who's very capable He's in capable. his game. Yep. But he reminds me of Ryan Kent last year. I used to speak to my Rangers supporting mates who would tell me I couldn't understand the amount of criticism of Ryan Kent and my, my Rangers supporting mates would say Ryan Kent is a 9-1 week and a 5 for 3 weeks in a row mm -hmm. I'm afraid Moy is not consistent enough for me I, I, you know big players come right at big times and big moments against Rangers Moy had a chance that you and me would have maybe we would have had the target may not score you, you might but have, you and you me would have had the target for goodness sake, one nothing. It would have been one each. The game changes. The mm -hmm. complexion of the game changes. I don't think he's consistent enough. I think the guy is bursting with talent. Absolutely bursting with talent. But is he giving us it every week? Unfortunately, no. Because here's you know here, here's the point. Can you afford to play with Rogic and Elanusi? in the same starting 11 now it's, it's worked a couple of times there we beat uh, Aberdeen we beat Mullerwell didn't they work on Saturday there Rogic is 
he's, he's phenomenal in his game. He, I think the guy's fitness has improved as well. That run that he made um, against Mullerwell, it would have been a goal of the season if Ryan had finished off. Absolute yeah. goal of the season, right? But is he willing or is he able to give us it every game, week in, week out? So when you're trying to think of, well, we know what our four at the back is and we know what our two at the front is. I think we, I think all Celtic fans have got a more or less an, a, an acceptance of that. Where we've got disagreement is who is a four in the middle. Because in Cham, on his day, can do things that no other midfielder can do. But I'm afraid the number of times he's on his day is no good enough. So if you play Brown and McGregor, I think McGregor, to me, McGregor's got to be in the team. The problem is... Who do you? Who's the other two out of Elanusi, Rogic, Christie, Encham? You've got to play two of them. Who, who, who is it you pick? Personally, I'm, I, I'll go and I'll get criticised here, but personally, I would play um, Christie. I, I, I think he should always be in the team, and then I would play uh, Elanusi or Rogic. I wouldn't. I, I, I think having both of them in the team at the same time, Paul. Personally. Uh, brilliant creativity but only on certain occasions one of them's always going to be a luxury if you play the two of them Tommy one of them will always be the luxury very rarely do you get the two of them you know firing on all cylinders I've got one final question for you what? sorry, sorry one, one final wee quick point but just to make mere fans angry here here's something else if Mikey Johnson's fit mm. I would actually play him before Elanusi I think he's somebody who gives us that wee je ne sais quoi, that, that, that wee bit of, I look at the Rangers' performances now, and I look at what Kent does, and I look at what Aribo does. What do they do? They pick the ball up, and they run at players. They commit players. They, they cause teams' shape to break down. Why? Because they go by a player, and then the defenders then have to think, right, they stick a twist here. They stick with my man and leave him space, or they go to him and leave my man to, 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 to get the delivery. Aribo and Kent give Rangers that week in, week out. That, mm. That's why they're, they're getting games. Mikey Johnson does that with Celtic. Ryan Christie does that. He does, yeah. But what we don't have regularly enough is Elanusi and Tom doing that. Um, so, you know, I, I know I'm not going to be particularly agreed with, with loads of Celtic fans, but I actually think a fully fit Mikey Johnson would probably be, be starting the left for me. And another player has been out for months, you know, just like Julien, just like James Forrest. The one concern, the main concern I had, Tommy, was when Neil Lennon was speaking about a culture change. Now, I, that that was a big, big warning for me because I felt to myself, we'd heard all these gossip, all the, all the rumours, and you can't you can't read too much into that, Tommy, because you don't know what's true and what's not. But when, when Neil Lennon said that there had to be a culture change, I thought, well... This is the same side that is going for 12 domestic trophies in a row. Surely there is a, already a good, stable culture within the club and within the dressing room. Do you think that's frustration on Lenny's part? Or do you think that changes do have to be made behind the scenes? Well, it, it's clear that he's not getting the consistency that he's demanding. And he's got he's got to sort that out. He, the buck stops with him. We know that. That's why he's in the spotlight. It's why he's under the pressure. It's why he gets paid a good wage to be the manager of Celtic. He's got to turn that around. And clearly, what I think he was getting at was he was defending his players. You, you talked about a couple of times where he's come out and attacked his players, but that was only after several poor performances that he did that. I think he's now 
at a, a stage. And by the way, it's hard, very, very hard, because I, there's a lot of boys there playing with Celtic. And we, you and I know families that are struggling now with the COVID and the restrictions and the, the rules and the lack of contact with your family and everything else. So, the, the, you know, these things are real. These things affect footballers as the way they, they affect everybody else. But I wonder if he's maybe been a wee bit lax, a wee bit friendly. The, the, the players have never let him down, so he's let things go. But the players have started to let him down, and therefore he's got to change it. And maybe the training regime's got to change, um, I, I, tweaking things. I, I think is necessary. I, I'm never. <laughs> You know, here, here's here's me and my pedestal. What do I know, right? What you know? Again, uh, uh, pontificating guys like me pontificating when we've not been there. We we don't know the score, but I'm allowing my toppings worth. Corners, free kicks, dead ball situations generally. Paul, are we working often enough on them? Because quite frankly, we're not scoring enough goals for dead ball situations. We're not a danger for dead ball situations. I, I look at the use of Ryan to take every bloody corner. Mm. Come on, the, the the guy's already covering more blades of the grass than anybody else in the team, and yet we're, we're stretching him all the time to go and take corners. Why are we always taking... I mean, a corner for the, the left side, so that's an outswinger. I always prefer in-swingers, personally. I think it causes more problems for defenders. But... I think we've got to share the load. I think we've got to start looking at free kicks that are a bit more variation. I think we've got to look at corners that are more variation. Um, I think the wee man, wee frimpong, I don't know whether this is a coaching thing or no, but if we do play him wide right, because that, that was one of the, you know, I was talking earlier about the selection problems. He's in the, the mix as well. I mean, I said there, you know, who are we going to play? You've got two for four. It's actually two for five. Mm-hmm. And when, when Forrest is fit, it'll be two for six. When when Mikey's fit, it'll be two for seven. <laughs> you know, if you play four four two, you've got to accept that that's your that's your problem that you're presenting. Uh, but it's a problem you need you need to deal with. But we Jeremy, uh, fantastic talent the boy's got. Uh, lovely, lovely wee guy. But he's got to keep doing what he's good at. Why he's turning inside all the time? The guy's got phenomenal pace. I don't care if he gets beat by trying to go outside. I'd rather Jeremy get beat four times out of five than come inside. I don't want Jeremy Frimpong coming inside because any right back in the world can come inside. What Jeremy Frimpong's got is the other right backs or right wing halves don't have, and that is phenomenal pace. Go and use your pace. What we've got to, I think, is work at Parkhead. We've got to work, they're obviously doubling up on them. We know that. But whoever's playing in front of Jeremy, if he's playing, must vacate the space. Must come inside and leave the space to hit the line way. Uh, personally, that's where you score goals for, in my opinion. We, we scored probably one of the most simple goals against Mullow. Look at the third goal against Mullow. How simple was it? Big El Hamid, down the line, crosses the ball, and El, El Anousi heeds it in. God, we all played football our lives. How many times did you score goals like that? That's how you score goals. And yet, how many times do we go down the line and then we stop and then we come back inside? We need to, I think, get back to some of the basics as well. Um, get the ball in early doors. We lacked salt when he came at first. I don't know if you noticed, but he was hitting the balls in early and some of the forwards weren't ready for it. Yep. 
But I think it was great because that's what defenders hate. If you're a defender, what do you love? You love the, the, the fullback taking ages, he looks up and you know it's coming in. But what if the fullback gets the ball and early before you're ready, he's hitting into the box? That's what we've got to pounce on. So, you know, there's the ABC of football, according to me, which uh, amounts to a pile of beans probably to a lot of people. But we're all entitled to our opinions, Paul. Uh, and my opinion is we stick with Neil Lennon. We used to say in Lenny we trust. Some team, some people have forgotten that. And we used to always sing uh, that we were faithful through and through. Erecting banners 15 games into the season saying sack the manager. Isn't he been faithful through and through? Tommy Sheridan, welcome back to Celtic State of Mind. It's been a pleasure for an hour speaking to you. It's all about balance. It's all about debate. And I've said on this show before that I feel that it's time for a change. You have come in and you have given us a different argument entirely. It's always a pleasure to speak to you, Tommy. Thanks for joining me on a Celtic State of Mind, sir. iHeartMedia gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the insights and data you need to grow. iHeartMedia is your access company. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. Sports Social Podcast Network. 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 Sports Social Podcast Network.